Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, the Islanders-Penguins playoff series is one game old, and we already have about a series worth of storylines and drama <laughs> to talk about. Uh, Sunday was a wild ride, and I mean, the game happened at noon, and I was already exhausted by the end of it. And I'm, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this for a bunch more games <laughs> the rest of the week. I just, I don't understand how anyone wins the Stanley Cup. After a game like that, that's what I don't understand. Like, because you think about it, and it, like when you watch the Lightning last year or the Blues the year before that, and you're just like, "Wow, that's amazing! That must have been awesome! What an awesome feeling!" And then when you're actually in the playoffs and you're going through these roller coaster of emotions, you're like, well, "Yeah, like how how is it even possible that anybody is still standing?" And I'm talking about on both sides of the boards, fans and uh, players alike like how is anybody able to do this for two straight months every every other day like live live through these swings but i actually think that brings us to a good point about the islanders that they are just the most unaffected team like it it, it just like since barry trotz has taken over this team is just so even keeled in these um you know big moments and uh i think the perfect example was on i was watching the game on sunday with at my friend mike's house and after nelson scores like we're all going nuts at whatever and then cap obviously casperi cap and it scores 30 seconds mm-hmm. later and they just you know they flashed to the bench they flashed to brock nelson it was just you would have thought that um you know he was like watching c-span or something it was mm-hmm. the, nobody on the bench was there was no like 
up or down and i and i get like no one's gonna show you know oh no one's gonna say like oh shit like whatever <laughs> like they're not gonna show that they're professional athletes but the point being that it just it does it is different from what you'd see um in pre barry trots islanders and and that goes for the fans too like i would have automatically written that game off as a loss after that goal. I would have been like, oh, man, like what well, they had it. They lost it. It's over. There's no way they're going to – they'll probably lose this one in regulation. But this iteration, as we keep saying, this iteration of the Islanders is very different. And it's it's it was kind of immediate since Trotz and Lamarillo came, and it's it's carried over that they just go right back to work. They kind of pick up their lunch pail and go about their business the next shift and – I it wasn't like of course I was worried I was bricking it like uh, but <laughs> the whole but in the back of my head I was thinking like I don't have to worry about Brian Strait coughing up a puck or Andy Mc, <laughs> Andy McDonald like passing it to someone's shin pads and and then it deflect off right to Crosby stick like this team is so much more composed than that like it still is taking getting used to after after this is year almost we're almost done with year three and it's still taking time to like put those old uh you know kind of PTSD moments away uh, that you just have to be able to take a deep breath and say, we have guys like JG Pajot on this team. And these guys are in, they've been through this before. Like they're not going to get swept up in the, in the moment. Like we are, we sure, I certainly was. Um, But the team, you just, you have to like force yourself to be confident in them. And it paid off again. Like what a, what a wild, wild way to end it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think those feelings are always going to be there. I, I was feeling that way too. I mean, I was talking myself into losing basically the entire game <laughs> until the third period started. Uh, and you know, for me, the thing is always about how you lose. Like not every, not every loss is the worst thing in the world. And, and really for, for the first two periods, you know, I know people talked about how, how bad they were. I thought the Islanders sort of looked okay. I mean, they certainly looked a lot better than, they looked for the better part of the last two months, which we've talked about ad nauseum on this very show. And I thought they looked a little bit better maybe than they looked against Boston in their final regular season game. They came out and scored the first goal, which is great. It was Palmieri. And it's like, oh, my God, he's here. He's alive. He's He arrived at the playoffs. Great job. Um, and then, you know, the goals that, that Ilya Sorokin gave up, and we should mention, we're going to talk a lot about Sorokin, I guess, later. But you know, Sorokin wasn't expected to start. Samin Varlamov. Had tweaked something earlier in the the game against the Bruins. Sorokin played the third period of that game, and Varlamov hadn't practiced until Saturday, and Barry Trotz was adamant that, oh, yeah, he'll be fine for game one. He'll be fine. Well, guess what? Here comes Ilya Sorokin, and I thought Sorokin played well. And the goals that he got beat by, um, one was the Freddie Goudreau goal about two minutes or so after Palmieri. It was a big schmoz in front. It was clearly screened. Uh, It was a nice shot, and it beat him. And then the second period started – with that crazy goal by Sidney Crosby. And like, we all hate Sidney Crosby, but like that goal he scored with like, you know, one handed reach around Andy green to tip the puck (laughs) past Sorokin just past his leg pad or his skate was pretty crazy. And I like that not one, but two analysts on NBCSN. I mean, I had the game, I had that channel on all day because it was hockey on all day, but first there was Patrick Sharp and then Anson Carter both made mention of the fact that Andy green was doing what he was supposed to be doing in that situation. He's literally pushing Crosby out of the slot and away from Sorokin and is boxing him out. And Crosby's just, he's just that good. He's just going to get on you and he's, he's never going to quit. He's never going to just turn away and, and try something else. So, you know, at that point I was like, you know, they haven't played too poorly. And I mean, I guess it is what it is, but then they came out in the third and they were a house on fire. Like JG Pajot scored a great goal, sort of a classic 
Pajot playoff goal at this point. He had a couple like that last year in the bubble. And then Nelson, like you said, unties it a, a couple of minutes after that with a really, really nice goal too, right up the slot. Um, the Penguins tied it again 30 seconds later, which is almost inevitable once you saw Kapanen rushing up the ice. And then when they went to overtime, I thought the Islanders had the edge. Uh, Barzell, who had been very quiet all, all game long, we'll talk about him in a second too, he looked really, really energized in overtime. He had that cool rush that, I mean, he never got a shot off, but he was really determined to get to the net. Uh, and then it was Palmieri literally banking the puck off of Tristan Jari's helmet <laughs> and up into the corner of the net that was about four inches wide and winning it. And you talked about going crazy. I was sitting on the couch. I watched every game on my laptop. My daughter had come down. She was in the kitchen and I just screamed, yes, I was screaming and yelling, pounding my fists. She scared. I scared it half to death. So like, what happened? I'm like, the Islanders just won. At the same moment, my wife came home from Target. And she's like, what's going on? What's all the yelling? I'm like, the Islanders just I'm like, you heard me from outside? She's like, yeah, I, I couldn't make out what you were saying, but I definitely heard you yelling. So it was a pretty energized moment. And I got to tell you, as, as different as this iteration of the Islanders is from the immediately preceding iterations of the Islanders, the first thing I thought of when that game ended was, this is some classic Islanders shit, right? Like, this is the classic shit that we hear about all the time from the old guys, from the guys who watched the team in the seventies and in the eighties, you know, maybe they, they had a, a lousy period or two, but they just didn't give up and they came right back and they ended up winning it, particularly in overtime on the road to start a series and basically pissing everybody off. <laughs> that is the classic Islanders shit. And that's what we're here for. And I think that these guys understand that too. And it was great. Um, you know, you can't underestimate the importance of getting that first win, particularly on the road, because now, they have rested the home ice advantage from the Penguins. And, uh, you know, if they can take game two, and Barry already talked about parking game one, it's over with. We just All we did was one hockey and that was it. If they can get to game two and get a win there, now you're up 2-0 coming home. That's a huge deal. But even if they lose it, um, you know, they still got that, that first one out of the way and uh, know they can play with these guys and, and know that they can beat them. Yeah, I mean, and I think one another thing about this, this classic Islander shit that we're talking about is they're not going to think like this is like a, if, if this was a different, if this was the Jack Capuano Islanders who, who went in and, you know, I, I want to say they, they, they stole the game in, in some respect, but whatever, like you, they, the Islanders wasn't like they were undeserving, but sure. They were for 40 <laughs> out of the 70 minutes, maybe were the worst. They team. stole it at gunpoint. I think let's put it that way. Like they didn't just like sneakily steal it. Right. Like they, they stole it. it. They forcefully stole it. It, it was, it was like that's And that's like, yeah, like you said, like that is a trademark. Like it, it's, it's, it's one thing if someone like comes in and like, you know, steals, comes in, sneaks in and steals something from you in the middle of the night. But this was like, uh, they, they, they like robbed the Louvre in like, and like, this is not the first time <laughs> they've done it. Right. This is, this is a, a team that of, of, you know, if you ask anyone around the East Division, criminals, including Ilya Sorokin, who is now a wanted man, apparently, in, uh, <laughs> in Pittsburgh for trying to end Jake Gensel's life uh, by sweeping his leg out. But, uh, no, it, it, this was that was this was like a trademark. Oh, man, like these bank. This is like Jack Dillinger. These bank robbers have been around forever. And it's like you you can't you can't just say like it was a one one off thing. Like, yeah, this is what they do. This is they hung around and, you know, it, we we. We talked last episode a little bit about like the play, like what the playoffs do, kind of on an emotional and like existential level to your life. And um, it was one one of those moments was like I, I couldn't sit for the whole game. I kind of was just pacing. <laughs> I actually kind of felt a little bit guilty of for the guys I was watching it with, just because like I'm pacing around and m- muttering to myself the whole game. And um, 
but you know, like I said, like you, you have a playoff family, they, they accept that, uh, mm. for, for me, for, for my craziness in the playoffs and they know exactly what I'm going through and they're going through the same thing in their own way. And when, um, when the Islanders got out of that second period with a, a like a heroic penalty kill. And, and that's not the, like this, this team has had since basically the first game of the season has had huge penalty kills and big moments going all the way back to like that Capitals game when they killed off Leo Komarov's five minute major, they ended up losing that game, but they killed off that penalty. Like in, in whatever, seven minutes left in the third period, a five minute major and a tie game, they were able to kill it off. Um, and then there were, there were a lot of moments like that for the PK and, that because uh, it was a, I thought it was a pretty bad call against Andy Green against Jeff Carter. Yeah, uh, it was like it, I, uh, let's just put it this way: if 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 that was uh, Leo Komarov driving the net, there's no way that's getting called on uh, Cody <laughs> CC or whoever. But um, and I, and I'm not, not not even like a tit for tat way. It's just like that is just not a call that um, is going to go both ways evenly. Um, and but they, they kill it off in a in clinical fashion and. They had two very different penalty kills in the beginning of the game. The first period, they kind of just let the Penguins pass around. Sorokin makes an unbelievable save with his skate blade. And then the second period one right before we went into the intermission was just, I mean, Pajot and Uncle Leo were, uh, that mm. was one of, that was probably their best moment of the game to that point for the skaters, um, not including Sorokin. And uh, the, as soon as they killed that penalty off and got to the intermission, all I was thinking was, if you put me on the other side, if you put me in PPG Paints Arena and I was a <laughs> Penguins fan, I would be like, I can't believe we let these guys hang around. This is mm. the Islanders we're talking about. And uh, they were able to do exactly what they needed to do. Obviously, Pajot, uh, the, he's, man, you, you think about like over the years, how many times you watch a guy who's just like, that guy just shows up in the playoffs, like clutch playoff performance. They were never an Islander. They were never on the Islanders. <laughs> the Islanders weren't in the playoffs that often anyways. But in general, like you just were so jealous. You're like, I really would love to know what it's like to have like one of those big game hunters. Mm. Uh, they have one now. I mean, he's awesome. And uh, I would, I think I would die for him. And he scores that goal. And um, right, right at that moment, like it, it was like, okay, they not only did they let us hang around, but the goaltenders rattled, obviously after two, two goals like that. And it paid off in the end. And, um, yeah, like your celebrations similar to, to mine. Like I just like hopped over the couch that was in front. It was almost like I was on the <laughs> boards with uh, with the team. Like I sort of felt like leapt over. And, and like the next thing you know, like because everything kind of hits you at once in the playoffs. Like you, and not just for the fans, like for the players too. Like you saw P- Kyle Palmieri like didn't know what to do with himself. The whole <laughs> thing, like it's such a, a crazy ride because you are literally riding it the same kind of cathartic release that the players are having. You're having on the other side and. Um, that's why it's such like a visceral, unbelievable thing. And so what makes it so scary is because you can get robbed of those moments pretty quickly. Mm. Um, but you, you know, you, the next thing you know, it hits you, like all these things start hitting you. Like, um, Sorokin was amazing. Jerry wasn't like they're, they're rattled. Where were, where like the, the Chris Letang, first of all, was unbelievable the whole game, but Brian Dumoulin makes his life easy. He gets hit by a, a puck. Like all this stuff starts like rushing into you. Like this is a winnable series They're at one, nothing. They're in the driver's seat, and the way that they got there was like, oh, in a weird way, it was so encouraging to see them overcome that um, kind of wobbly first, you know, or middle. You want to call it like middle thirty minutes of the game because the first ten minutes you're right, they were good, and then like the last half of the second period from from Frederick Gaudreau's goal, which honestly was unlucky because you know the, the Islanders did what they were supposed to do; they blocked mm. shots and just found the you know an open Penguin. Uh, who put a perfect shot by Sorokin, but um, the 
the like the rest that the rest of that period up until that penalty kill in the second like the Islanders held on and I'm just I'm happy that they were able to win a game where they made mistakes and mm. they, they overcame like the Nick Letty turnover on the second goal the uh Scott Mayfield did <laughs> did his very best yeah. to like give every Islander fan a heart attack by <laughs> trying to set set uh, the record for icings in a game and you know they couldn't they couldn't <laughs> well, break uh, the puck out like Green and Mayfield were on they're not normally on together but they were on together when Kapanen yep. scored his goal, right? And there was exactly. like a miscommunication and they were like, they end up looking at each other and before you know it, Kapanen deposits the puck in the, the net, so. Yeah, and it, but if they overcome those, they, the fact that they were able to overcome those gaffes um, is huge. And that's why, like, yeah, like you said it, like it's not the way you, like, it can sometimes be the way you lose a game. And um, the fact that they were able to hang around and, uh, you know, heist this game uh, yeah. was was really encouraging for going forward. It just goes to show you that, this is this the team is still you know who they are, who they're supposed to be which is a, a team that can win in th- these styles they just need to hang in there take care of their opportunities and then you know clamp down or do whatever in order to play smart in the big moments and that's what they did i have time for basically every one of them after that game because they all like they all played a big part in it yeah um there were a couple of guys that that Definitely were were noticeable for the wrong reasons. I think Mayfield and Letty struggled for the for the most part of the game. Um, the middle two lines were both very good. That was you know Pajot with Wallstrom and uh, Palmieri, and then you had uh, Nelson with Bailey and uh, Bovillia. Bovillia could have had probably two or three goals on his own, and he like missed the open net that one time. Then he had a, an open net, I, I think, at some point either in the third or in overtime. So, you know, he, he had a good game. He just, it was just an unlucky game. He could he just couldn't get one in. Um, you know, the fourth line had an okay game, but they were running around a little bit in their own zone, which you don't like to see. Um, again, it's sort of part of a pattern of this season where I think their effectiveness is kind of dropping a little bit, whether because of age or, or you know, um, uh, maybe not injury, but, you know, wear, wearing down perhaps. Um, I think they'll be okay. They, if you haven't watched Zizekas and Martin's uh, um, availability from today, you definitely should. It's very entertaining. <laughs> um, and then the first line was definitely not effective. And we're talking about Barzell, Eberly, and Leo Komarov. It's easy to blame Leo in that scenario, which we have done in the past, but it wasn't really him. It was just Barzell and Eberly just couldn't really get kind of any open space at all. And I mean, credit the Penguins for for keying in on those guys. And you, nobody expects Kyle Palmieri to score two goals. That's for sure. Not after the 17 games in a regular season he had with the Islanders. But, um, you know, if they're going to do stuff, then those two guys need to be better. Now, in fairness, when overtime started, those two were all over the place. And Barzell tried to win the game on his own probably two or three times. And so it's good. It wasn't like they, it wasn't from a lack of desire. It just, I guess the Penguins were keying in on them and doing whatever they could to, to slow them up. But uh, those two guys are going to need to assert themselves uh, for sure. If the Islanders are going to, you know, keep stay in the driver's seat, as you said, they are now um, as far as Sorokin goes. Yeah. I thought he was pretty good. Um, you know, he had that, that skate save, like you said, on Crosby in the, Power and the penalty kill there. If they if they score there, and it's like you know, what it would I think that might have been before. No, that was after his his first goal. So like you know, maybe it would have been a different game. Um, but you know, for a guy who for the third time this season was not expected to start, he looked pretty good. And um, Barry Trot said he's very calm, he's very even keeled. And when he told me he was starting, he's like, "I'll be ready, coach." And he and he was ready. Um, you know, it was his first NHL playoff start, and I found it really interesting that. Not a single person. Well, no, Brendan Burke eventually did mention it, 
but I, it is kind of funny to me that this guy is, you know, he won a Gagarin cup in the KHL. He went on these long playoff runs and that stuff doesn't really get mentioned when you talk about like, Oh, who's the Islanders goalie? Well, they got this guy Sorokin, but whatever, he's a rookie. It's like, yeah, he's a rookie, but he's played an awful lot of playoff games. <laughs> not in this, not in this league, but in a lot in, in another league too. And he's won a cup there and he was the MVP and he had like, I don't know, he didn't, he set like a record KHL record for shutouts or something. Yeah. That, he was that basically shutting, game. shutting the other team out every once, every four games. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like <laughs> so, you know, no, has he played the Pittsburgh Penguins in the NHL playoffs? No, obviously. But like, I think this guy's pretty good with the game on the line. And I thought that was kind of funny that like, Nobody yeah. mentions that sort of thing. <laughs> and in another like playoff moment, so I'm driving to I'm driving on Sunrise Highway and I'm listening to Greg Picker and Corey Wright on Islanders like pregame, and they come back from commercial and uh, P- Greg Picker goes like, "Oh, in a in a first in our first surprise of the playoffs," and my heart sunk because I thought that he was going to say <laughs> something like, you know, Adam Pellick is out or something. You know, <laughs> I, I, it never crossed my because the way we, what we were told all week. And there was a couple of things I want to talk about trots, like mm. that's some, some genius stuff he's done um, over the past weeks. And he, one, one of the things was like, we were told all, all what, 10 days since Sorokin, I mean, Varlamov was hurt. It was like, yeah, if it was a playoffs, he would finish that game. He'll mm. be ready, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then all, little do you know, like they, they, they kind of had in the back of their mind that they were going to, um, you know, give, give play. I think he called it like the long game play and play Sorokin in the first game. Um, and it was like my, my heart. So like I said like my stomach dropped, but then like when I heard that it like I, a weird sense of calm came over me because we know how good Ilya Sorokin is like, or can be. And he, yeah, sure. Like he's had some, some soft goals going against him, some weird goals going against him, but we've also seen what he can do and his, his like in his flashes. And uh, I would say there's been a lot more good than bad. And we both also knew that the Islanders' biggest edge in this series was goaltending. And I would still, even even before the game yesterday, like Ilya Sorokin's a better goalie than Tristan Jerry. Like, and I'm so it wasn't like the Islanders lost an edge. Like maybe it was muted a little bit because of the way that Varlamov closed the season. But it, it still was like, oh no, like we should be confident in in this still. Like this is not that it's not that big of a deal. But that's us because we know who the goalie is and but as soon as that i heard that on the radio i picked up my phone i called my friend it was like it was like hearing news and like calling your parents almost like like i said playoff family like first thing i do i call someone i'm like dude i just heard sorokin's in and the, the coverage hadn't started you know i think joel Osteen or something was still on nbc at this point uh so uh you know it's hard to get that information unless you were listening to the radio and he's like you kidding me and then he's like oh that's all right like and, and never, we we're like we we're both totally fine with it mm. um the only sense of dread is that was that you wanted to make sure that Varlamov wasn't like a long term thing, and uh, he, Sorokin, like he he's like an ice water in his veins guy, and you could th- there was two moments that stuck out to me that show me that um, he was just like in it, he was in it. Like one was when he made that save with his head, yeah, like, in your first right, yeah, playoff right off his game, noodle, yeah, yeah, in your first playoff game, you're gonna do that, and, and, and it's just like, and I get like goal, well, there are goalies that do that all the time, but you're talking about his first playoff start and he had the, the not just the confidence, but like just the, the calmness to be like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, nod this mm-hmm. one to the side with my, my cranium here. And, uh, and then the second moment was when um, uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was, was it overtime when, when Adam Pellet got shoved onto him? 
you know, Patrick Hornquist isn't on the on the Penguins anymore, but that was a very <laughs> Patrick Hornquist. No, it definitely wasn't overtime, but it was it was like late in the late third, in the third, I think. Yeah. And yeah. he just kind of stared stared everybody down. Right. Uh, yeah, Matt from, Martin grabbed somebody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and Sorokin was just like hanging out in his net and he just like kept his mask off for a minute. It was just kind of like looking at him, just yeah. knowing probably full well that hey, these guys have no idea who I am and how good I am. But <laughs> uh yeah, like there was just I mean, there were some unbelievable moments. And I think it it, it was one of those games where overtime games where you when the celebration happened i think if it wasn't kyle palmieri who scored that goal you might have saw like half the team rush sorokin instead of the Mm. goal scorer because he really was outstanding in that game um and i mean he is just he's something else like he he really is and and i i think that because of the team we're playing and because of the way they're covered it wasn't given enough he wasn't given enough credit the team probably wasn't given enough credit but like I said, this is an unaffected team. Like they, I don't, I don't care about that stuff anymore because I know that like there doesn't doesn't matter to any like what what um, you know people at the athletic are writing about the Penguins and the Islander series or the fact that you know on Thirty One Thoughts today they they basically just glossed over the fact that the Islanders won the game to break down a cold, <laughs> literally go tape by tape on a Colby Armstrong Sidney Crosby interview rather mm. than talk about Sorokin or or. Uh, you know, the way the Islanders played, I think they said, oh, Sorokin played well. And that was it. Mm. Like, that was how they summed up the Islanders. Like, that stuff, it doesn't matter to me in a, I'm not going to get, like, I'm not, it's not going to affect the game too. Like, that doesn't matter. Mm. Like, yeah, I'll get mad about it a little bit because, uh, you know, that's part of, you know, having a chip on your shoulder at this point. But, mm. like, that's not, it's never going to happen. Um, it's just kind of over it. Like, it's not, game Game two is really all that matters to me in a tangible level. And, like, that stuff is, I'm kind of embracing it now. I'm kind of embracing mm. the way the team is covered because, Look, if the Islanders do pop up in the unlikely scenario that they make a run and go pop up in like the final four, it's going to be the, oh, like, and wouldn't you know, the Islanders are back. And that's, yeah, I live for that now. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll talk a lot about some, some Penguins coverage as we look ahead to games uh, two and three and four, I guess. Uh, real quick though, Varlamov did skate today um, with the extras. I mean, at this point, I don't know what that means. I, I Personally, for me, if I was to bet money on this, I would assume that Sorokin's going to start uh, game two uh, again in Pittsburgh, and then maybe they'll they'll see Varlamov. Uh, if anything, game three at the Coliseum, or they just let Sorokin go until something happens. I don't know. But, um, you know, the Varlamov thing is definitely worth keeping an eye on. But, I mean, again, Sorokin looked pretty good in that first game. So, uh, you know, I think the Islanders' confidence is high. Okay, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back. We're going to look ahead to the next bunch of games and uh, laugh at some uh, articles about the Penguins. All right. Come back with us in, in a minute. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. They have Long Island Ducks. They have New York Rovers. They have... Uh, what was the new one here? Hold on. They got a bunch of Texas ones here, too. The Baltimore Bandits, the Amarillo Gorillas. I mean, come on. These are logos you're not going to find anywhere else. Go to VintageIceHockey.com. Use the code Lighthouse15. Save yourself 15% off your order. They also have our Al Arbor t-shirts, and our portion of that goes directly to the Center for Dementia Research, so uh, you can celebrate the playoffs that way. VintageIceHockey.com. Uh, okay, so game two is Saturday night in Pittsburgh at uh, 7 o'clock. There's going to be twice as many people there because the governor of Pennsylvania has opened things up. So we're going to go from about 5,000 people to about 9,000 people. Um, you know, I don't know if that's going to affect the Islanders at all. They didn't seem all that affected by the people that were there already. Uh, so I, I wouldn't worry about it, but it is worth looking at. Uh, game three uh, is going to be at the Coliseum at 7 o'clock. Um, it's going to be people there, which is going to be great. And then game four is Saturday at 3, uh, also at the Coliseum. So um have to keep you know uh i i thought it was a seven o'clock game so thank you mike for letting me know it was a three o'clock game i would have went about my whole day uh, without knowing um so what did the game one loss uh mean to the penguins well if you're unfortunate enough to be within earshot of any of the eight thousand people that cover that stupid team you'll know that it meant disaster everything is falling apart um christian tristan jari yeah he got beat by Four goals all on the same the same side. Um, you know, it looked a little shaky in the saves he did make. Um, today, there were some breathless reports that he was practicing with his glove hand. He had everybody shooting high glove, and he was making his... Okay, like, I think everybody over there needs to really calm down. Uh, I think, you know, before the series started, the Penguins were embracing for the big bad Islanders to come in, and Barry trots it up. And they had to fight tooth and nail and be ready for the playoffs. And then the game started and then Ilya Sorokin tripped Jake Getzel uh, and took a penalty for it. And a bunch of writers wanted the Pittsburgh police called on him because it was like attempted murder or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, after the game was over and now everybody wants, you know, a million changes made. Evgeny Malkin's still out. Maybe he'd play. He kind of practiced a little bit today. Um, Casey DeSmith, the other goalie, he's still hurt. He's day to day. These are all coping mechanisms for Penguins fans and writers to convince themselves that the series is not lost. I'm here to tell you the series is not lost. The Islanders won one game. This is a, this series is far from over. Um, And so for us as Islanders fans, we have to remember that too. And just because he won game one, as Barry Trott said, doesn't mean a whole hill of beans. So um, what are you thinking about in game two? I mean, game one, we're still talking about it. We're very excited, but like game two is going to be a whole other thing. And you know, I don't know what to expect again from the Islanders. We're kind of starting from ground zero again. Um, but, uh, you know, it seems like the Penguins are pretty, pretty rattled. <laughs> At least their goalie looked like it anyway, like you said. Yeah. And I, I think this goes back to like talking about this, what, who, the identity, kind of the zeitgeist around this team is that they are not going to, uh, you know, think the series is over. I, we both know better than anybody like and the people listening to this podcast know that one nothing is not gonna that you know you gotta win three more and that's not gonna be easy they get they kind of get harder as the series goes on um and but that's like 
I, I really do think that other versions of the Islanders would kind of rest on their laurels a little bit and say, all right, we're cool with the split. Like maybe, uh, you know, that, that take the, uh, their foot off the pedal a little bit, but I'm confident that this group won't, uh, which is still, like I said, taking some getting used to. Uh, but I, I, I think the hysteria around the penguins has kind of added to the joy that you get to, um, <laughs> you get to kind of experience around winning a playoff game. Um, because yeah, like what's the best part about winning the winning a playoff game? The second it ends, because then you have 48 hours, however long until the next one, until you have to go through it all over again. And you really need to soak up every second of it. And when those seconds are, are, are littered with some of the, uh, most hilarious, I don't know, coverage. I don't even know what to call it. Like, it's just, it, it sounds like it's like, it sounds like when, like an eight, almost they're like eight year olds who, who you're like, you take them to a store or something and they're like, you can't, you can't like get that toy. And like, they, they have like a, like a uh, unbelievable tantrum. And that's kind of like what it feels like a little bit because these, these, the way that this, these game this game was covered and the way that they're looking forward to it is it's so irrational. It's one game. This team is one, Three Stanley Cups since Cindy Crosby's been around. They won two back to back not that long ago. Chris Letang is still awesome. Like this is they they're the Penguins are a very good team, but they and they they finished the season by the way with the best like record since Valentine's Day outside of the Colorado Avalanche. So we it's just it's really weird that when you're reading stories and stuff and you'll hear the players being like, yeah, it's just one game, one game. And then the media goes ahead and just takes that and rips that to shred and says, it was not just one game. The goalie can't, can't make a save. Sidney mm. Crosby is washed and all this stuff. Like I, I watched the game. I know, I know that wasn't a Penguins writer who wrote this Crosby thing, but um, I watched that game and I thought Sidney Crosby was the, probably the second best player on the ice, maybe third best behind Sorokin and Pajot. Like he was amazing. He was, he, he everything, every time he was on the ice, he was dangerous basically. Uh, and he threw Adam Pellick off him at one point. He that one-handed tip, but the fact that they're taking that kind of stuff and that game, that type of game, and having this mini uh, meltdown has been fantastic. The the it, 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 and, and the fact that they're also like yeah, like you you joked about it, but the Athletic has three Penguins beat writers, and they all kind of talk about the team in the same sense. Like uh, it's it's like Mario Lemieux syndrome, which is like we're you know thumb your noses at every other team that didn't have Mario Lemieux on it or isn't owned by Mario Lemieux. Like they don't they don't count. It's like almost like they're like original six. They think like they, like they're in that like echelon of teams for some reason. And the way they're covered is like that. The way they the, if you ever listen to Penguins broadcast, it's the same way. Um, mm. And and it's it's kind of like it can get annoying at times, but like at the, like you, when, when you are able to separate it and you and I both actually have an affinity for Jack Edwards. And I think Mm. he's a great example of this, which is when you are able to kind of take your, like to just step back and, and not like, like care too much about it and just like enjoy the, the, what, what, whether it's Jack Edwards or the Penguins broadcast or Penguins writers and, and enjoy them for what they're doing and the entertainment they provide you, you, you become a little bit happier in life. Because if you do do that, and I really do suggest doing it with Jack Edwards, and you just take a step back and you just watch him and use him only as a muse, you're going to love him. Like you are. And that's what I'm starting to do with these writers and stuff and just like enjoying the ride, watching, like letting them, you know, make a couple of minutes of my day pass with with their hilarious tantrum. Um, <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's just great. And uh, God, if, if Tristan Jerry lets in a soft goal in the beginning of game one, hmm. I, I mean, I think that uh, Rob Rossi or 
might have him arrested. He might just call in <laughs> the Pittsburgh PD to have him for stealing stealing this moment away from us. It's uh yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. And again, we, we talked about this actually before the series even started, the kind of histrionics of it. But then like if you if you contrast it to the coverage the Islanders get, which is, you know, our friend Arthur Staple we know about and Andrew Gross, like they write about, you know, one player or or one game and the observations. And that's really about it. You know, <laughs> we don't get that kind of stuff. And so, you know, in a way, you know, the Islanders don't get that kind of play. Like you talked about on 31 thoughts, they barely mentioned him at all. You know, the, now this weekend was packed to the gills with playoff games. And to be honest, they were all pretty exciting. Caps Bruins went to overtime, the wild and golden Knights went to overtime tied at zero. And it was eventually won by Minnesota. That's a huge one. And then that, uh, that lightning Panthers game was, like the building was on fire. Like that was, that was an insane game. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the camera angle from Florida either. That was just a crazy, crazy game. Um, and so the, you know, it makes sense that the Islanders and Penguins kind of get, you know, they played each other a million times and it, and it, you know, was an overtime winner for the Islanders. And so it kind of got shuffled to the, to the corner, but I, I really do think the Islanders like that. Like, I think that they like this and they've talked about this too. Like they just, they don't want that much attention. So they're the last people who are going to be upset about it are them. They just want to go right back to work and, and get it going. And and that's, I think gets back to what you said at the very beginning of this episode, like the, you know, the even keelness of it. Um, they're all very, you know, they, they all understand the task at hand. And I guess, that kind of gets, you know, what we were talking about, whether, can they flip the switch? Well, I mean, if game one is an indication, it took a little while, but they eventually did and they, they hit playoff mode. So now it's going to be about staying there and, and keeping that same level of intensity. Now, you know, I don't recommend kind of having a sleepy ish, <laughs> maybe not so great first two periods and then coming out and winning the third period. But like you said, I mean, if they can overcome those mistakes and still win, then that's good. Um, you know, for me, the number one thing is going to be they did a good job on uh, Brian Rust and Jake Getzel. Like those guys w- weren't really heard from that much at all. Jeff Carter, too, uh, wasn't heard from much except for when he he high sticked <laughs> Brock Nelson. Apparently there was blood. I don't know. I didn't see that angle. It was a four minute power play. The Islanders did absolutely nothing with it. Um, Brian Dumoulin, like you said, took a, a Ryan Pollock puck off the foot. So he wasn't practicing today. They called it a maintenance day. Okay, we'll see what happens. I and mean, he's probably got his foot in some ice right now as we speak. Um, so these are all things that, you know, the Islanders need to to be careful of and watch for. Because if one of those, if either Getzel or Rust or one of those other guys gets loose, um, you know, there there could they could be a problem. But again, I, I can't get back, I can't overstate the importance of getting that first win on the road. And I just I was reflecting on it like literally for the last you know 24 hours. I've been just like Man, that's so huge. Like it's just such a huge, huge, huge thing to get that win and to and to know that you are now in command of the series with the two games you know coming up at the Coliseum. Now the Penguins could obviously win at the Coliseum. We've seen them do it before. But I you know, I, I expect Barry Trotz to make the adjustments. Uh he's done it before. Um, I don't know what adjustments the Penguins are gonna make, which kind of worries me. Um but uh, you know, you couldn't have asked for for really a better start than that, and and to see again, see it be Paul Mary, uh, who had been very maligned. I wrote about this in the column today. Does this redeem his pretty lackluster seventeen games with the Islanders? Who cares? We'll talk about that <laughs> in two months or three months or whatever. For right now, they won Game One, and that's the important thing. And so we, you know, we have to hope that that you know that is a springboard to more because you can't just stop here. Like you can't just say game one was enough, but I, I don't think this team is going to be, is going to do that where they've come too far and they're too, they're too 
savvy and they're too experienced to do anything like that. So I expect uh, a pretty good performance in game two and three and four. And if I don't get it, I'm going to be pretty upset in about a week when we, when we talk again for the next episode. Yeah. You can, you can have expectations of this team. Like you don't, when they, when they come out, like you, you know exactly what they're supposed to look like. Um, And that's what we saw for the kind of the business end of that game. And if, yeah, if they come out and do that consistently over the next few games, however long the series goes, whether they win or lose, like they'll be in it at least. Um, I think I, and like the Palmieri, like Palmieri. So this is what I was kind of alluding to before with trots is he was like the last couple of weeks of the season, obviously didn't go too well for anybody. Um, but there was just such, like this weird sense of calm from the coach on down. Like him, he basically was saying that he's just like giving his, his guys a pass for, for not playing too well down the stretch because he knew what you know the the important games were coming, whatever, um, and and one of the things that he mentioned was like, yeah, like Palmieri, sure, he didn't have the greatest start to his Islander career, but I don't know what the exact quote was, but he was saying like, you know, he he'll get some practices in, and he'll he knows like he's going those the pucks are going to start going in, and lo and behold, ten minutes into it, like <laughs> Trotz was right, like as he usually is, like the go, the the Islander score, it's Kyle Palmieri. Uh, and I and I think a lot of times when people talk about the playoffs, it's like it's you know the it's agony versus ecstasy, but I think that's wrong, right? It's it's agony versus relief, and maybe relief in the NHL playoffs is uh, is ecstasy. At, you know when when you're <laughs> thinking like, but because when Palmieri scored, like the sense of relief he must have felt, you must have felt, I must have felt, every Islander fan, Barry Trotz, everybody on the bench must have felt was must have to be immense. And then he went ahead and kind of proved that point by having an, uh, a terrific game. He was that line. Um, Oliver Wallstrom had, a, I thought, had a really good game. Um, he, he he maybe should have done a little bit better job uh, on the goal against when Kapanen scored by like he he put, put the puck deep, but there was nobody there waiting for. It. He did turn the puck over, but he turned the puck over two hundred feet away. I mean, mm. he, he, that's nitpicking. Um, mm. But like that that line with Pajot and, and Paul Mary looked looked like a force, uh, and that goal that Paul Mary like that's the type of goal that a guy like him is going to score and and I think it's funny the way that goal went in right like you said it like kind of bounced yeah, off, off the, mask yeah. yeah and Sidney Crosby tried to do that to Sorokin earlier in the game he tried to bank one off his helmet he had like a little bit of daylight daylight and I thought in my head man Sidney Crosby must be the only person on the planet who would have thought that <laughs> and, and then a couple minutes later yeah Kyle Palmieri does it uh, yeah. yeah, and and it's it's I, I think that's like the important thing is like he's now that he, that line's going that line looks like it's cooking he looks like he's I think JG Pajot said it and it might sound cliche and like corny to everyone else but like he, Pajot was like yeah he's an Islander like and I mm. think that's true like he you, you get a week with this team in that like mini setting and and you learn kind of the ins and outs and like why they've been so effective it'll show in your game and very quickly it did like. That line was where they needed to be at all times. Um, he got the goals. And uh, while Shrum looked dangerous, Pejo obviously scored and looked dangerous and was everywhere. Uh, and it's it's so weird, the sense of relief you get when you hear, uh, like, you know, Brendan, whoever's calling the game, Islanders about to take a defensive zone face off, and you're just like, like, at least we got Pejo. Or when, mm. when, when Scott Mayfield ices the puck, when he doesn't need to and you're like well, at least Pajot is on the ice like and, and it's just like this 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 is a, we're talking about a third line center who gives you that kind of you know sense of kind of calm imagine yeah. what it must feel like for the coaching staff and the players be like oh well, like there's a good chance he wins his face off and we get this puck out even though we're we're dead tired um, I mean 
I've called Peugeot the human reset button because, again, anytime anybody's hurt or snut or struggling or slumping, they play him with him, and all of a sudden that guy's right again. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that Paul Mary would come to life in the playoffs with playing with a guy who comes to life in the playoffs. You know, like it's pretty remarkable. But yeah, I mean, Peugeot really, I mean, talk about guys who, who are, if he says that Paul Mary's an Islander, he would know because he became an Islander really, truly. I mean, right from the get go with the, the whole Jacob Truba fight and everything. But, you know, once the once the bubble hit, like, you know, that was Peugeot's time. And uh, yeah, that's a be- another beef I have that I meant to say that, you know, again, I don't want to take anything away. The, the win was great, but this team is way, way, way too comfortable just icing the puck when they get in trouble. Like it's just it, they're especially for the first two periods, which might have, again, contributed to how lackluster they kind of looked like they just they just like they don't mind icing the puck and i get that because like they're probably confident in getting the face off and you know resetting themselves that way but i don't like it it's not fans. it is not and if mayfield leads the team then bailey has to be right behind because like, I, I also think that they're the only team that doesn't get the neighborhood rule on the red line oh yeah no there was a bad icing call there, that, like couple, wasn't pellick like pellic, an inch yeah. from the line and i was just like oh like come on just th- throw pretend he's wearing uh seven eighty seven in the black and yellow and you telling me that's a, gonna that's gonna get called come on like I, I think that's another thing too is like this team in the regular season does an awful lot of complaining to the refs like particularly barzell and i think Eberly too like they're the kind of guys who will be like come on you know no call they know they ain't getting those calls in the playoffs like they're just not coming and so they don't even bother like they're just they're, you know you don't expect a play. I, mean, I certainly didn't expect them to get a four minute power play out of that Jeff Carter thing, but they did. And of course they, they promptly wasted it. And that's another thing too. Like they really, the penalty kill is great. It's been great for a long time. Um, but the power play is still very much struggling. And and if they can get that going, that's also going to help too. I thought Wallstrom looked good. I thought, you know, definitely had those turnovers, but I thought in general for a 20 year old kid in his first playoff game, I thought he looked pretty darn good. Uh, you know, I mean, he was he was effective. He had a couple of shots that were interesting. He, they used him on the power play. My one thing was, you know, if they want to put him in the OV spot for the power play, he's got to stop moving around. <laughs> like he keeps moving, and I think it might be hard for them to hit him with a pass. Whereas, if, as we've seen, Ovechkin literally just like pulls out a folding chair and just sits in that one spot and doesn't move until somebody finally hits him, and then he just snaps back to life again. So, did, did it kind of seem like they were surprised that the Penguins would know that? Like, because the Penguins were shading towards him pretty heavily. Yeah, like. How I don't think that's gonna it's gonna catch them by surprise that Oliver Wallstrom has a good shot. Yeah, I know he's a rookie and has played like thirty games in an NHL career, but um, that's you know these teams have scouting departments, and <laughs> I know that doesn't not that's not exactly what, you know what happens. Like they they of course know that, but it, it just seems like that's how I feel like the Islanders' power plays have been for so long with yeah. Pollock and and him. They get, like, they, they, they get they, very comfortable. Like, they're just they're so just, focused on getting them yeah. the puck. Yeah, it's like if if Ryan Pollock isn't taking the shot, like nobody's taking it. Um, yeah, yeah the power plays. They've never had a ton of creativity on their power play. And uh, again, I, I blame, I know this is probably unfair, but I do blame Bailey and Letty to a certain degree because as good as they are, and they are good, they're both also very indecisive. And so they kind of play catch a lot. They're again, they're waiting for a seam pass that'll just open up and they could hit Wallstrom with it or again, Pollock or whoever. And it just never happens. And then a lot of, a lot of time gets off the clock, but uh, you know, these are things that they're going to adjust. And I think, you know, they, somebody even said after the game, I think it might've been Clutterbuck. I'm not even sure, but 
they said they they weren't happy with though. I mean, actually, it was Palmieri. They weren't happy with their first two periods either, and so they recognized that they had to make adjustments, and they came out in the third and and played very very well. So you can't you know can't give the Penguins that much space. So so yeah, so we'll see, and then you know on to games three and and four as well, and then we'll we'll talk after game four uh, at some point. Game five is on Monday, so uh, hopefully we can talk uh, again on Sunday. Um, <laughs> God, after. it just comes so quick. I know, right? And it, it, all this it, is happening with the Leafs and Canadians don't start their series until like three days from now. <laughs> I, I know. I, I, I think it's great too that um, – I mean it's worth talking about. I guess like just like the rest of the league, like we talked about yeah. the other games and that Carey Price is starting a game in Laval right now. Like yeah. he's, he's, he's playing – he's getting like a tune-up game for the in the AHL before a playoff game. And then you got obviously the like the Kucherov situation is hilarious to me because when, when something like this happens and – uh it's it's it and obviously people get caught up in it in the moment and, and everyone has takes that they have to say about whether the lightning are cheating and they have a hundred million dollar salary cap all of a sudden in the playoffs like if this was going to be a problem why didn't anybody you know say something before the playoffs started like why did why didn't any like patrick kane the, the blackhawks did this with patrick kane the canucks the i think the canucks did it um early on too like this this isn't new like teams the the point of like the, the point of this like hard cap is like it makes it a, like it's parity whatever but they also leave you a little bit of wiggle room like if you can work around it and if you have a good management team like that can figure out how to kind of finagle your way through like it's you're going to be rewarded um and as unfair as that sounds like that's those are the rules so like <laughs> and they, they've been the rules this isn't like it wasn't like yesterday like like uh you kind of with the Preakness stakes where they on Friday they decided whether or not like the Medina spirit could run. The NHL didn't have a meeting uh, yesterday and say, "All right, like we're going to rule on the Kucherov situation." <laughs> he was going, he's going to play like that. This is the plan. The Lightning are good enough to get through, almost win the their division, a tough kind of with, against two very good teams without the one of the best players in the league. So uh, if you didn't want this to happen, you should have raised a point or you should have beat them, whatever. That being said, that game was wild. Um, mm. Love seeing the rats on the ice. The fans were yeah. awesome. Like it was that game. Like I, it, it, as as much like like the bubble as as great as the things the Islanders accomplished in the bubble. Like you watched it, when you watched them play the Penguins yesterday, even, even in front of the the twenty five percent crowd. My friend, I had a friend at work who's a Penguins fan. He was there and he was like, "How did it sound?" I was like, "Actually, like pretty good." Because he thought yeah. it, he thought it wouldn't be sound loud. I thought I, was, I thought it came across pretty good. Um, but that Panthers series, like you're like, holy shit, we're back! Like this is mm. what the playoffs sound like. This that game was insane from the bu- drop of the puck, and it um, and that when I started to get kind of get chills watching that game because I was all I was thinking about is I'll be at Game Three. The Coliseum is so small that half capacity at the Coliseum, like it's going to sound great. It's gonna, mm. it's not going to sound like it did for Game One against the Penguins in 2019. But um, the like this is this is why the playoffs are so great. Like and it it you. You just feel like this. We're, we're you feel like a sense of, uh, I don't know, fortune, whatever. I'm I'm not taking for granted that there's going to be people in the crowd and like it's going to sound like playoff hockey. It's not going to be you know Brock Nelson isn't going to score a goal and it's going to be uh, fake crowd noise and someone playing <laughs> the Islanders goal song in an empty arena in Toronto. Like it's it's back and uh, I'm really excited. Yeah, that that uh that Lightning Panthers game was very exhausting. Just watching it was exhausting, but uh, you know it's also funny too. I was thinking about. You know, the Panthers and Islanders get about the same amount of media attention. And, uh, you know, it's funny what happens when you add a good coach to a pretty good team. You know, like it's funny. Well, I can't I'm totally shocked that 
Joel Quenville has the Panthers playing like a team that can beat last year's Stanley Cup champion. Like, who knew that this guy who won three Stanley Cups and is one of the winningest coaches in the history of the NHL could do something like that? I mean, obviously, I'm joking. Like, that's what happens when you hire a Joel Quenville and you add him to a team that's already got some pretty darn good pieces on it. So, I mean, it's just it's just kind of funny to me that it's like, you know, wow, they came out of nowhere. I mean, yeah, they came out of nowhere to me too because I, you know, hadn't been paying attention to the Panthers, but. You really think about it. Did they really though? Like, you know, they're pretty good. The one, the one gripe I do have with the way that game was covered and, uh, is that people being like, Oh, we've been waiting for decades for this series. Like, no, no, yeah. you haven't. You tried to move this team a yeah. hundred times every year, every summer, you write an article about where, where the Panthers are going to be playing next year because it for sure shouldn't be in Florida anymore because yeah. they're not a hockey market. So that's the whole, like, Oh my God! The whole, whole, well, what do we always say on this podcast, Elliot? We root for stories. No, you don't. You literally try yeah. to move this team all right. the time. Like if I was a Panthers fan and I started hearing, I'd be like, I would, I would have a meltdown because that it's just <laughs> it's not fair to like mm. make that moment like about you and yeah. it's they that was not right. Like it just it made me it, it and and th- that game kind of reminded me a little bit of um. I, like the Penguins Islanders game in game one, it, not the way the game was played, but the building sounded great. Like the fact that this was like a, a, a team that was uh, not really, they were expected to be terrible this season. <laughs> they make it to the playoffs. That's crowd sounds amazing. And the whole time everyone was just talking about how great the crowd was and how awesome it was that Nassau Coliseum is getting, uh, you <laughs> know, it sounds like it should. And like, this is like what it's supposed to be like. And you could just dig everyone who was saying that you could just dig up 10 articles about them oh, yeah. writing, writing about, the, the, the costume being a dump, et cetera. Yeah. Oh, the, and the Coyotes get the same thing too. Yep. When the Coyotes are in the playoffs, everybody's happy. Oh, look at this. Isn't it oh, great? Look at the coyote. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, how many cities have they been moved to? Like, you know, it's just, yeah. So I, I, I found that funny too. Like everybody loves the Panthers now. Meanwhile, <laughs> you know, a couple of months ago, you guys probably would have moved them. Yeah. If they anywhere. weren't good this year. That's, that's what I wanted to, to say. I mean, email in and be like, yeah. Hey Jeff, if, um, uh, the Panthers weren't good this year. Uh, what would you? How would you be covering them right now? And you'd say, like, well, you know, they, look, the pandemic had a big impact on the bottom line, and they're a small market team, and you don't know how much longer they can take it. Like that's mm. exactly how you would be covering it. Yeah. You'd be saying that they're, hey, Quebec City is got a new building, whatever you want to say. And um, mm. so that's that's that 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 was the only frustrating part. But if for, for like the rest of it, yeah, the, the NHL really delivered on uh, the games, like starting with. It, Alex Ovechkin, like in the first 10 seconds of the game against the Bruins, was like flying into somebody. And you're like, oh, <laughs> wow, this might be fun. And yeah, every game really lived up lived up to the billing. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, oh, yeah. And that's the other thing, too, is that, did, hey, did you know that Zdeno Char used to play for the Bruins? And now he's playing the Bruins <laughs> in the playoffs? I mean, who knew? Like, that was <sighs> that was the only storyline for that entire game. Yeah, thank God like, for Craig Anderson, almost. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> Guys, we know. We know about Char. We get it. Oh. Yeah, 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 and then oh, and then Kelly Rudy comes out and he's like, "Well, Vanacek's injury happened because he didn't stretch properly." Before the game. <laughs> dude, what are you talking about, dude? I love Kelly Rudy. We all love Kelly Rudy, mm. but like, dude, come on! Like, even if you do think that, and even if that's real, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a goalie. Maybe he's right. I don't know. Like, why would you say that? Like, why would you say that right now? Just let the man and you know Craig Anderson right now is the story. Like, let him have the moment. I just. I know it's weird, but it gets back to what you were saying too about the whole Kucherov thing. Like the reason people are getting pissed off is because they don't want the lightning to get in the way of this Leafs cup run. Like that's it. If it was the Leafs stashing Marner and Matthews on IR until the playoffs started, this wouldn't be a problem. Like, they'd be like, well, you know, that's the rules. And if you don't like it, well, you could just go cry about it, but it's the lightning. So they don't like it. 
And they didn't like it in, when Chicago did it, but you know, they did it. So, and then they went on to win the cup anyway. So it's, you know, it's, I, I always love, um, like a black hat, like in the playoffs, you have a black hat, got a bad guy. And I really wasn't expect like, I wasn't expecting it to be the lightning because everybody <laughs> last year loved them. They're like, yeah, Oh, right. you know, they did it. Like they finally did it. Stam coast. Look, stammers back. He's, he's playing mm. his one game. He scores. What a great story. Three months later, this is team is a disgrace. Look at this yeah. meeting. Like, and it made me like all that kind of like that whining just made me be like, I'm now I'm kind of rooting for the lightning in the series against a team that I like this beautiful. Should be rooting story. For, yeah. 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 And it's because of them. Like that's like, and, and yeah. I, I just, I don't understand how like you, you talk, you, you talk, they always, you, the whole point of their, uh, the industry, the media industry, when you're covering sports to try to get more people to pay attention and not make it seem like exhausting to do so. This is supposed to be an escape, but then to make it sometimes even more annoying and tedious than you know chores is, mm. especially in the playoffs. Like that's what they these folks are doing sometimes, and um, yeah. that's what I imagine this that the what the the way the Penguins will be covered for the rest of the series too, because it's uh mm. for, not not for us. For us, we'll, we'll we'll definitely enjoy the hell out of it. But uh, for 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 Penguins fans or people who are kind of just paying attention to the series in passing. Don't want to hear about yet what what just what you know hand exercises Tristan Jerry's doing to to make sure that his glove hand is working. He's oh, the, the, with the tennis ball. He's he's he looks good. <laughs> um, the, these is this is sort of apples and oranges. So I'm kind of being disingenuous, but at the same time, it's like it's, it is funny to me how people a lot of the same people that have decried the Islanders' facial hair and hair length and game day attire rules suddenly want more rules in place so that you can't stash all-stars on the IR until the playoffs start. So some rules are good. Some rules are not so good. Eh, you know, I don't know. They're both, they both have nothing to do with anything really. It, it's, but, it's, you know. it's also like the, the, the uh, that, that whole thing. Like, and I, I enjoyed that. Like, like Paul Mary was like, Oh, I'm happy to be, not be able to shave or whatever. Like I'm, mm. I'm sick of carrying a razor around, but it's like when people say like every ballpark in baseball should be the same or something like the reason we like these teams and stuff is because they're all a little different. Like in one, mm. if the Islanders have this rule, like who it's not going to affect your day. I promise you that like it's, nobody's going to stop you at the grocery store and, and ask you what you think about the Islanders no shave policy or the, the, <laughs> the, the, the lightnings uh, cap circumvention. Like it's just not, it shouldn't really affect your day that much. Um, and then you just go on Twitter and it's like the world is falling apart because Nikita Kucherov, who by the way, was electric last night and I was thrilled that he was back. Cause like the, mm. we're talking about the Islanders power play and the indecisiveness. There's something crazy about Kucherov when the puck is coming to him on that, uh, you know, uh, like kind of opposite OV spot, like the other circle mm. and you're watching him and you, you can see in his head, you're like, Oh, this guy's about to do something crazy. And then he does that pump fake pass to, to Braden point. Who's wide open because he got three people, including the goalie to go down yeah. to try to block a shot that didn't even exist. Like that is awesome, yeah. and I was very happy that he was back. And um, so I like and as as people always like, we gotta market the superstars better. These guys are so good. Like I can't believe the NHL does a terrible job. Like, well, you, now you're complaining that they're they're letting this guy play in the playoffs when the most eyes are on the game ever. So, yeah. boy, yeah, I I would I would consider Kucherov like a power play artist. Like he's a guy. He's like his he on by himself is better than every the entirety of every islanders power play 
for decades, like <laughs> going back beyond Tavares era into yeah, the other years. Like we haven't had one as good since MAB since Berger, yeah. Mark Andre Bergeron. He was he was he was, <laughs> the, he was the last he was the last great Islander power play artist, power play guy. Well, Mark Strike was okay too, but again, like that's like two guys in a sea of guys that aren't very good. Like, you know, the, the, even, even in the, the Yash and Peckett era, their power play wasn't really all that great. Although they had Adrian O'Coin, it was pretty good, you know, but yeah, but he was more does like, with that. O'Coin, O'Coin was much more power than finesse. Like Kucherov yeah. is both. Marc-Andre Bergeron was like kind of a little bit of both. Strite was like a figure skater. Like he, he, <laughs> he, there was, it was something very balletic about the way he ran yeah. a power play, which was, Fun and then yeah, and then you had uh you know Dylan Reese and uh and Andrew yeah. McDonald sometimes getting power play time. But like so. Kucherov is like John Wick on the power play. Like he's <laughs> he's power, he's accuracy, he's finesse, he's determination, he's just like it's crazy. Like he's just he's just insane. Watching him is it's very it's it's great, but at the same time it's like, oh man, I wish I wish we had a guy like this. I wish, yeah. I maybe they will at some point. He he, he is he is like I think he is like the ultimate guy who like I if I really just wish the Islanders had him for like ten, we could borrow him for like twenty seconds. Like, <laughs> I just want to know what I want to know what it's like to watch that pass and be able to celebrate it um, yeah. as a fan because I can tell you I've seen I've seen some great plays by Matt Barzell in mm. my life. We've we've seen some great plays by all, all sorts of players, I guess now, but like. That I've never seen. I've never seen that. I've never, I've, or, or you know, the. I guess now Wallstrom's kind of changing it with um, that shot he has, where when Alex Ovechkin gets a puck and you're like, everybody knows the shot's coming. The goalie's in mm. position. It's still going in. And as a fan, like having that feeling, like Wallstrom actually has that a little bit now. Like before he shoots the puck, I'm like, wow, it's going in. Um, yeah. but, but those are those are the things like I just always I've, you never experience. Like I was just talking about JG Pajot never having like a big game hunter kind of guy. But now we have it. Like th- those are the next steps. I want I want a Kucherov type, and maybe we're getting the Ovechkin yeah. type with Wallstrom. Uh, I I thought it, that was going to be Ryan Pollock, but the poor guy. And I love him, the guy to death. But I mean, if he he has missed the net on more power plays than Kucherov has ever scored on, like he just all he does <laughs> is miss shots on the power play, and it's it's hard. Like you know, theoretically, uh, Pollock should be good on the power play. He's got the heavy shot. He's smart. He can move. He, he's, you know, quick, he can be quick on his feet, but he's not <laughs> in practice. He just simply, it's like Michael Grabner, like Grabner had all these great skills. He was so fast. He could, you know, get from one end of the ice to the other in the blink of an eye. And he had, you know, he could do these amazing things, but he was just not good on the power play. And it, like people used to complain, Oh, why did they put him on a power play? What is he going to do on a power play? Like he just, he's not, he's not that kind of guy. But in any event, uh, yeah. So, uh, so there you go. Oh, so, and and I, it would be remiss of me to not mention. Speaking of insane articles, <laughs> uh, you should definitely seek out the Globe and Mail article about Sidney Crosby if you haven't already read it. It's by Cathal Kelly. It's absurd and it's insane. And I get that we all hate Sidney Crosby, but like we all know Sidney Crosby's going to retire at Pittsburgh Penguin. Like we get it. It's fine. He'll play till he's fifty. He's like Tom Brady. He'll play till he's fifty or whatever. Uh, I don't think he's going to end up playing for Tampa Bay, <laughs> but uh, Kelly doesn't like that Sidney Crosby is boring because he feels it takes away from Connor McDavid and his accomplishments uh, when we have to cover the boring Sidney Crosby. So his solution is to have Crosby traded to Montreal, where he and and uh, um, uh, Mc, I keep wanting to say Nathan McKinnon. He and Connor McDavid could play against each other, and then it would ignite the rivalry. And then the, I, I don't I don't know what his point is. He's just an idiot, and this is like. 
I don't know, man, this, these brains get very smooth. I think after a while <laughs> trying to write these articles in this hockey mad country, I don't know. He needs a vacation. Seriously. I think, I think one thing that's hilarious about that story is that the outrage was that I saw and obviously um, yeah. in Islander land. So it would always be this way, but the outrage was coming from Islander fans. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I've seen Flyers I, fans be like, what are you out of your mind? Yeah, like this, this is, this is <laughs> like, what, like and, and I, I, part of it is like, I'm like, Oh my God. Like if he, this guy just gave him billboard material, I'm going to be so pissed. Like, if we, uh, I, I, I know, I, yeah. but like, that's where my mind went immediately. And then the next thing yeah. I was thinking was like, what? Uh, because I also want to, like, we talked about this last episode that the, the Penguins have this like Islanders complex where they talk about how the Islanders have ruined Springs mm. for them. And like the Islanders are their boogie, t- boogeyman team or whatever. We, I watched Cindy Crosby pummel the Islanders for most of my life. Like half my life has just been watching Sidney Crosby every day. Every time they play the Penguins, right. you see that graphic. Most points against any team, right. Islanders, 700. He's got more points <laughs> against the Islanders than like half the league has ever scored. It, right. like half the players in the league has ever scored. Um, and so like I hate that that like woe is us against the Islander mentality they have right now just because, hey, we're getting a little bit of regression where the Islanders are having some success mm. in the postseason against them and just one game. Mm. Uh, but uh, like the thing that it pisses me off is like he's – that article cheapens the, the misery – that I've compiled against Sidney Crosby that I need to let out if they are successful against him again this year. Like that's what's pissing me. Like, don't, don't you dare con, um, you know, minimize the success that this guy has had mm. because it takes away from what I want to experience if they beat him. Because I don't, I, I know how good he is. I saw how good he was on. He was incredible last night. Like I want to be able to say, if the Islanders do win, touch wood, like they beat Sidney Crosby still at the height, like height of his powers. It feels good to be able to like, you know, put that in his face and the whatever. I need that. Uh, yeah. And it's because like you said, I hate Sidney Crosby. I hate him. <laughs> I hate him like so much. He's, he's nothing to do with anything other than the fact that he is incredible and has been incredible against the Islanders. And I was sick and tired of watching him walk, you know, whoever. Brian mm. Strait and all those guys for the whole for my entire life. Like I've seen him t- undress Matt Karkner. I've seen him undress all these guys. I don't. I don't want to watch it anymore. I want to beat him. I want to beat mm. him very badly. And this article cheapens that a little bit. Yeah. If I, you know, whatever. It, yeah, I, I just don't know what the whole point of it was. I there really is don't. It's just, but that's yeah. if the point is to get people like us to talk and click on it and whatever, yeah. <laughs> and just to be like, right. I mean, like I, I never heard of Cathal Kelly before, and I feel like I have trading cards of every Canadian <laughs> hockey writer because of how much they piss me off, and I gotta yeah. be like, oh yeah, this is you know so and so, and he's uh, works here, and I've here's definitely what he's heard of about him. the Islanders. I don't think he wrote anything about Tavares during that whole period, but I, I bet he did, and I bet it was just as stupid. But uh, I just I don't know. I mean, uh, these guys are again. I think they they all need to take a sabbatical and and really assess what it is that they're doing no, with they their time. To, you know what they need to do? They need we need to like draft and be like, hey, you're gonna be the beat writer for the Coyotes this year. Yeah. Like that's you know you, that's what you gotta do. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. You should totally do that because because <laughs> I I think and we're really far afield right now, but like. I feel like a lot of the problem with these folks is that they only ever talk about talk to other hockey people and in particular, like Canadian hockey people so that they kind of, it it becomes like the whole echo chamber. But yes, I think if you took Steve Simmons and we're like, okay, you're on the Dallas stars beat now. I think that would, that would go a long way to maybe 
teaching these guys a little bit about what American hockey fans are like and what like human beings are like, because I feel like they kind of get <laughs> a little bit separated from the concept of like, what do normal people do when they don't have hockey to write and think and talk about all the damn time? I don't what are they, I don't know what they do. Well, now here you find out. Yeah. What do they do? Well, they get ready for get ready for Jamie Ben. Is he is he the fifth center on Team Canada? Yeah. <laughs> Steve Simmons. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I guess I guess they also could start covering the Ottawa Senators who they'd never cover it either, but uh let's just, you know, let's why 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 stop at half measures, right? Let's keep on. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, we've talked a lot about a lot. We're excited. We the Islanders Good. took game 1 in, in very very exciting fashion. So, uh let's yeah, hope love they all can those uh, guys. Love them all, man. What a, what a <laughs> yeah, team. That reminds me one one quick thing you were talking about the celebration before. <laughs> I was watching it. I mean, I've been I've watched it a bunch of times. I want to know what Barzell was saying to Paul Mary. Like he, Barzell goes in there and he just yeah. starts like talking. And I'm like, dude, what are you? What is he saying? <laughs> what is he? It looks like he's like talking to him about his, the play he just scored on. I don't it, know. What, it's just, it looked like what someone would say, like after you like get an award or something, and like hmm. you come off the, you, you know, you say like, oh, thank you, whatever, and then you like get back to your table and like your spouse like gives you like a big hug and like says like I'm so proud of you, like yeah, and like whatever, yeah, but. We, we, at the, at the, we watched obviously watched the celebration like 15 times it's like the Zapruder film whenever the Islanders <laughs> score an overtime game winner in the playoffs because you watch like every player and you start picking up a different thing each time you watch it but yeah. my favorite thing to watch is Barry Trotch just do his little hop because he's like you know he's such a yeah. oddly shaped sized person yeah. and um, the arms go up yeah the arms yeah. go up and they don't go up very hard far <laughs> right. and he just kind of he like hops as high as the arms go up mm. he's like all in proportion and goes back down and and then you got like uh, Andy Green and Uncle Leo like kind of act like you've been there before. Like uh, first thing Uncle Leo does, he like yeah, he gets excited for like a split second, then he just unstraps his helmet. Which I just I, the guy must hate his helmet because he hates obviously <laughs> hates the visor with the way he wears his visor. We, they should just be like, listen, brother, if you really don't care about your brain that much, you know, yeah. you go for it. Just just go <laughs> for it. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's definitely there's definitely a lot to mine from from that whole thing and guy and i'm always like isn't it hurt getting hit in the head that much i guess he's wearing a helmet but like everybody comes up behind you and just starts slapping you upside the head because you just scored the game-winning goal it's very weird but i don't know when i saw barzell talking it just reminded me of like you know whenever me or my wife comes home and my daughter is immediately like bombarding you with a bunch of questions or like, things that happen at school and you're like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. hold on a second hold on a second i just walked in the door can i, can I put my coat down can i put my 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 bag down jeez you know but anyway uh but it was fun and again you know we, we're good. now is the time to have fun this is the fun part and right. the islanders started out with a lot of fun so uh let's uh let's keep the fun going um check out vintageicehockey.com use the code lighthouse 15 save 15 percent uh leave us a review on itunes put your twitter handle in there Get a chance for some eBay swag. This is last month, so don't wait. You only got about two weeks left, so do it. Because if you don't, you will not have a chance to get some more eBay swag at all. Uh, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski with two E's. Read him at the Action Network. Maybe he can help you win a little money. That'd be pretty cool. It's been, a good, start. A, it's been a good start for the playoffs. The only thing I got wrong was the... the Craig Anderson's timing the Bruins. I mean, of, well, yeah. I mean, obviously I mean, didn't expect that to happen. But I was going to say, nobody. In, I was like, oh, that's good for me. And um, but yeah, the other stuff's been good. And, and I did actually. Um, I bet the Islanders right before how oh. this all started, and at twenty-two to one, which I thought. I mean, that's basically the highest they've been since the beginning of the year. So 
good time. It was a good time to get in. Um, nice, nice. Oh, no wonder you're so excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So there you go. But yeah, nobody expects nobody expects Craig Anderson, you know, it's the Spanish Inquisition. But uh <laughs> yeah, that was that was a pretty wild one. So uh there you go. But uh we'll be back uh hopefully after game four and uh we'll see uh where the islanders are at there. Uh I'm not gonna say it. I know when people think game four, I know I know what everybody's thinking. I'm not gonna say it. But we will see what happens where they're at after game four. And we'll talk and uh, we'll uh, examine uh, what's, uh, where to go from there. All right. Thanks a lot for listening. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.